With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, Hardwood Handicappers in the new year and not by myself today. One Zach Cohen is alongside as we look forward to a day in the NBA that is light, not great, like one good game on the card, some intriguing matchups as well. Um, well, we'll still watch. We'll still watch. But Zach, how was New Year's Day for you? Uh, I, I found myself, I actually watched a surprising amount of NBA considering that there was, you know, two college football semifinal matchups on, uh, but watched quite a bit of the card last night. How was the day for you? It was good. I mean, I, I had the Knicks, so I started the day off being able to watch that kind of a standalone game. Didn't have any distractions. Uh, I love those afternoon games. So, <laughs> yeah, Adam, I thought they looked good. Um, I also was able to watch the Suns game. And I was kind of watching the college football game on my phone. <laughs> and I ended up uh, just following the Utah Jazz game because I had the Jazz plus three and a half, and I had the Jazz uh, sprinkled the money line as well against the Mavericks. They're scorching hot right now. Yep. Uh, yes, they are. Uh, I said, I don't know if you heard my, uh, when it came to the Knicks game, but again, I love it. I have to go back and see how many I've lost to these games by the hook, essentially. But uh, Knicks team total under 111 and a half was the bet for me yesterday, 112. Um, looked like it was well on track. Then, of course, in the second quarter, they score, they match their first quarter total within the first four minutes of the quarter. And I'm like, this is the thing that's going to kill me. And sure enough, that was the case, lost it by a hook. But I would agree with you, and I went back and watched it in detail this morning, and yeah, they look good, and OG Anobi is going to fit perfectly, and that's where I wanted to start, um, tying into what we saw a little bit of yesterday into you know just spinning it forward big picture, because we haven't spoken on this, and we'll get Kelly's thoughts on the trade when we talk to him a little bit later in the week, but your, just your thoughts on the trade, because I think that there are, the way I broke it down yesterday was like there's two ways to kind of look at it, right? There's like the grand scheme of basketball, and then there's what we look at as sports bettors, and in the grand scheme of basketball, I'll say my thoughts. I want to hear what you think about for both ways, but let's start with New York's perspective first. I kind of think it was a good trade for both. I mean, I think that the Knicks kind of mismanaged quickly as an asset in general. Mm-hmm. So I think that they were at the point where they really had to trade him. So considering that, I think to get Ananobi in, I think he's a really good fit for, you know, Tom Thibodeau. He's a girl, like a match made in heaven. So they are going to have to pay him. They'll probably pay him a little too much, but I thought that getting off RJ Barrett was almost the best part of that deal for them. Like, I think that's a contract that, looks kind of like a negative at this point and i don't know i i just think that that the fit is pretty seamless for adenobi in new york they he gives them an elite perimeter defender he did really well on anthony edwards yesterday a really good floor spacer and kind of just a guy that is going to be perfect next to whoever the next guy is like they are now a legitimate probably probably shooting guard is what i'd say they really need but i don't know what they do with randall but they're probably a really good shooting guard away from being a legitimate contender in the eastern conference yeah, if only there was a uh, shooting guard with New York ties that was potentially on, on the uh, on the verge of being available in about a year and a half. Um, having said that, the, there was a report. I don't know if you saw this about two weeks ago. There was a report from a Utah beat writer that was uh, 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 not so fast, uh, not so fast, my friends. Donovan Mitchell would actually like to go to L.A. 
and oh. the, the Clippers were named in that report. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. The Clippers are, are a weird, like they're playing well. Last night was awesome. Um, but uh, that's another story for another another day. So I'd agree with you. Like, I, I think overall, like big picture, it makes sense to do this. It's funny. I laughed at this, and I think I noted this yesterday in the podcast. The headlines are like OG Bear, uh, OG and an Obi, RJ Barrett trade. I'm like, nah, this is the OG and an Obi Isaiah or Emmanuel quickly trade. Like, this quickly, I think, is the best piece in this deal just because RJ Barrett is, you know, the former, what was he, top three, top four pick. It doesn't make him the centerpiece. In fact, I think if you're negotiating, part of it is you guys got to take RJ, right? Because yeah. they had just signed him to an extension. He's got like three years plus this one left on his deal. It's not like an albatross. He's making around like $25 million a year. So, especially after the post um, media rights deal, it's not going to be that much for a player of his caliber. Um, but the, the building block is quickly. And, you know, I watched a little bit of that game yesterday and I, I kind of came to this. I think it was a good trade for the New York Knicks. I think you're absolutely right. Like big picture wing player is seamless fit three and D guy who is going to be your best option defensively against any perimeter player that you come up against. And now you need to add another piece in your backcourt, whether that's this offseason, whatever you have the assets to do it. You didn't dip into your assets to go and get him. I think that this is a really strong move for the New York Knicks this year. You know, I talked about it on Saturday and they're probably going to go from like 25 to one to 20 to one to win the East. And that's exactly it. I'm not rushing to bet the Knicks to win the Eastern conference. But the more I've thought about this from Toronto's perspective, you use the word mismanagement. I think Toronto mismanaged OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, and, and Pascal Siakam. Like a year ago, you probably could have gotten a lot more for OG Ananobi than just Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett. And people can try to tell me, oh, it's, it's a Pistons first or second round pick. It's still a second round pick. So mm-hmm. to tell me like that's the most that you got for what is a premier player at a premier position that is set to be, you know, I get he's set to be a free agent, but he's probably going to resign. I think Toronto really mismanages this. It quickly can be awesome. I think he fits really well with what they want to do. I think he fits well as a starter next to Scotty Barnes. But I don't really love what uh, what Toronto ended up getting for one of the premier like trade chips. And also, why trade him now? Like, why don't why not drive up if you're going to trade him? Why not wait till the to trade deadline and start putting some people against each other and get a little bit more out of New York? Maybe get a first or something like that. I think that was the weirdest part of the trade is it really felt like it came out of nowhere. Like I just right. had no idea that there was something like this coming. Um, I think I'm a little higher on quickly. Like, I, so I kind of think that there, like, I think it was a good return for Toronto. I, I do think that part of it is probably that they think that they can get something out of RJ. Like they don't view that as the, like the trade, you know, the contract that I just said it was right. like you said, like, it's not like a giant number. I think it was really more of like, the number was big for the expectations he had in New York and the amount of minutes he was playing. Like they were always going to have him try to live up to that, you know, draft slot. And it always felt like he was kind of like the franchise player, even though he wasn't, which is not the case with Brunson and Randall there. So it always was a little awkward at that point. I think that there will be no expectations on him in Toronto. And I'm guessing that they think they could turn him into, you know, a plus level starter. Sure. I mean, I would say if I were to set the odds, like what would you say when this contract is up, do you think RJ Barrett is still a member of the Toronto Raptors? I think so. I I think there's also like the fact that he's Canadian. Like I, sure. I, I feel like he's going to be loved there. Um, but yeah, like I do think that there's all-star potential quickly. So yes. I, and I kind of think he's perfect for what they needed next to Scotty Barnes. Like they needed floor spacing. They needed a guy that can create off the dribble. So I do think it's going to be really fun to watch the Raptors this season. And I yep. thought it was cool that he started right away. You know, I thought that they would maybe be hesitant to, uh, throw him in the starting lineup and put Schroeder in there for a little bit, but no, <laughs> it, was, yep. it was good to see. No, it's awesome. I I, I do like him a lot. I, I think he's going to be fit perfectly. I think like that's going to be your, your duo, right. That you're building around as you move forward. Um, I would assume that uh, Pascal Siakam is going to be gone here at some point as well. 
So I, I think in, this is the strategy I took last night, which was I, I bet Toronto, I bet that game over. And I think going forward, unless you see some real changes, like this is already a team that was like, they're a little below average in terms of tempo and pace, but I think they're going to pick it up with quickly out there. They're already an efficient transition offense. He's only going to help that because he's awesome in transition. He's going to help them in the half court because he's actually a point guard, like you said, that can attack the basket, go north, south, and, and create in that regard and then kick it out to open shooters. So I think their half court offense gets better. But I also don't think like he's a good effort defender, but he's not going to lock anybody down. And without An- Ananobi, like I think Toronto is squarely until there's an adjustment being made. I think you're talking about betting some of these Toronto games over because I, I don't think they're stopping many people, but I also don't think they're slowing down and, and not, not many teams are going to stop them on a given night. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, I also, I don't know if you spoke about this yesterday. I wasn't able to listen, but um, in terms of long-term futures, like this traded, traded, it changed nothing for me, to be honest. Yes. Like I think that next year, you kind of start to look at the Knicks as an Eastern Conference contender because they'll get Mitchell Robinson back. They'll probably address that need for a scorer. But in terms of this year, like I, I almost didn't write the story up on, on, on New Year's because I was like, I don't think there's really any massive change for this year. The only thing that I said was, do you bet like an adjusted win total over, right? Like the mm-hmm. last adjusted win total for, for New York was uh, 45 and a half. You know, yeah. so like looking at looking at over 45 and a half. I also think like the ripple effects, as I talked about yesterday. So I, I brought up one ripple effect and I didn't bring up another that I thought of later in the day. The first ripple th- effect that I thought of was it does change six man of the year race quickly is going to be starting now going forward. Yep. Uh, so that takes a contender out of I a week. Some six, on that. Yeah. Do, do, oh, you have quickly, right? To win yeah. six man of the year. <clears throat> yeah, it sucks. Um, it's funny, too, because like you said, like this whole time he's actually deserved to be a starter. I, I think that he could have totally helped that team out. But we'll see if that actually um, if that really has a negative effect on their bench, but yeah, so the six man of the year. And I also think, let me pull this up to get this exact in front of me. So one of the things that I thought of last night earlier today, Zach was, you know, like as the East sits right now, so one, two, three in any given order is going to be Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, you know, it's probably going to be that order by the time we get to the postseason, maybe Philly surpasses Milwaukee, whatever. Then your next three teams in the top six, again, top six means you don't have to play in the play in. Orlando, Miami, Indiana. Then your four play-in teams at this point right now, Cleveland, New York, Brooklyn, Chicago. So it's two things. First off, I know we're really early, but am I crazy to think that these are our top 10 in the Eastern Conference? Like, I don't I don't think why there's any – in whatever order you want to say, but of the Atlanta, Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, Detroit, who's breaking through and getting into the top 10? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, and I'd be like – an idiot. Atlanta, you're gonna go there. I was gonna say, like, we we have to say Atlanta has a shot, especially like at nine or ten, just because yeah. of what we we said about them before the year. So I I would say that there's a chance the Hawks break in, but yeah, I don't think that any of the other teams are putting up a fight. So to that point, and so when I'm looking at this, one of the things that stuck out was New York, um, or excuse me, and I think the the, the odd man out here. Let me, let me talk, Indiana. So in in that, I don't think Indiana is going to miss the playoffs. However, they're plus one ten ish to make to participate in the Eastern Conference play in. They're minus three seventy to make the playoffs. I think New York is going to be good enough to thrust themselves back into the top six. Like I think this is a top six team is currently constructed at the very least. And so I'm trying to find which of these teams among Indiana, Miami, Orlando is going to fall their way out of the top six. And I, I feel like it's a team like Indiana that doesn't play very well on the defensive end and is starting to show some of its warts. And I think New York is primed to kind of surpass Indiana, and get back into the top six. And we're looking at a team of nearly $4 to make the playoffs as a potential play-in participant. Might be worth looking at a no there for Indiana to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, I'd agree. I, I would actually go as far as to call the Knicks a lock to be a top six team. Right? Like I yeah. like aren't they like one in six against the Celtics and Bucks alone? Like they beat everyone else. Road heavy uh, schedule to start too. Yeah, and I and I do kind of think like there's a chance they still make another move this year. Like they did hold on to Evan Fortier's contract. Like I do think if someone becomes available, there's a chance they they swing on like maybe even like a DeJounte Murray. Like that's been one of the rumors. Like I could see them go, you know, kind of pushing the chips in this year. The reason I said uh, that I don't believe in them as a contender until next year is just because of the Robinson injury. But I do think that they're going to try to better themselves over these next couple of weeks. Yeah. So that was the other thought I had. It'll be interesting. I think you can make a case for Orlando dropping out. I feel kind of safe in saying the Heat are going to be a top six team. And there's a reality in which the top six looks pretty similar to last year and that Cleveland and New York both thrust themselves back into, you know, top six contention status in the Eastern Conference. But um, East overall gets a lot more interesting now, at the very least when it comes to the race for the top six with OG and Anobi over in New York. Uh, all right. With that, uh, anything stick out from what you watched last night before we move on to tonight? Uh, any any game that really stuck out to you? Um, just, I mean, the Jazz, like I'll just say it again. Like I, I think that they're a team that is worth betting on over these next couple of weeks until they slow down. Uh, it's like, I don't know, it, it, you want to call it a fluke, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Uh, they're top 15 in both offense and defense in that time. The defense has been really good. They've been avoiding putting people on the line. They're, they're, have, they're creating a lot of chaos in terms of turnovers. Just a, a team that I think is really hot right now. And they kind of sneak up on you at home. If you get them, if you play in Utah, like they're going to be a good bet if they're ever an underdog. So yeah, last night was a good example. And I had them against the Heat. I'll keep looking to them as home underdogs. Yeah, I think from a cover standpoint, I think that's um, it's a really good point. You know, from the straight-up win standpoint, I don't know if it's there. I mean, you're talking about wins over, what are you talking about, San Antonio, Toronto, Detroit, Brooklyn, um, Portland. Uh, they did get a win over New York in there. But regardless, I think from a betting standpoint, this is a well-coached team. So if we're going to talk about them being at a low, right, in terms of a rating standpoint, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, I just want to point out from last night, too, really quickly – so obviously I watched a lot of New York, Minnesota. I watched a lot of Cleveland, Toronto to see how that thing would fit. And that game went well over the total. Um, Kawhi Leonard's back, baby. 24 <laughs> points, 10 and 19 from the floor, six rebounds, five assists, four steals. The dude was awesome yesterday. Um, and it's funny because I kind of bitched a little bit on here about like, okay, here we go. Like the hip contusion, what are we doing? Yeah. Like he misses like, what was it, three or four games? Like, why are we doing this with the kid gloves? But I got to say, dude came out and looked healthy last night and looked awesome was clearly the best player on the floor he had a hot shooting start uh, to begin the game and then they just settled in with that i'll call it their lineup of death which is james harden paul george Kawhi leonard norm powell and vich zubach and they just went to work in the second quarter pulled ahead and ended up winning comfortably over miami but uh just watch out for the clippers again because now that Kawhi leonard's back and again i think not dead in terms of mvp status considering how much better they are with him out there but after a couple of losses without him They've won three straight now and are right back to winning ways. And uh, they are now 20 and 12. And I think they're, again, just kind of a bet on team and a team to watch out for because they're only four games out of the top seed for Minnesota and uh, only two and a half games out or three and a half. No, yeah, two and a half games out uh, from these teams ahead of them, Denver and Oklahoma City in the top three. Yeah, it's funny because clearly we were both watching our teams last night. I was thinking about like where the Suns are going to fit in the Western Conference at the end yeah. of the season. And I was trying to figure out if there's a way into the top four. I kind of don't see it because of the way the Clippers are playing. Like it's, it's possible they're not that far back, but I do think they're going to end up. It could be Clippers Suns in the first round. That's what I think is going to end up happening. Four or five. I mean, it'd be it'd be a ton of fun. Uh, that'd yeah. be. I mean, the Clippers should have won the series last year, uh, but Kawhi Leonard got hurt. But Kawhi Leonard got hurt. So uh, you know what? Neither here nor there. You were sweating when they were up one nothing, though. I know you were. 
Yeah, no, I I thought there was Kawhi looked so good in that he game too. Incredible. Like he looked like prime Jordan. Like I, so yeah, it's a scary matchup. I, the Suns have looked pretty good lately, though. I mean, with Beal back, it's just kind of it, it looks like why are we even questioning them? Like they were missing an yep. All Star. So that's what I think. I mean, it's always like that at this point of year, right? Like we always start freaking out. Sky's falling. It's like. Yeah, I mean the All Star guy's not playing. I was like, well, yeah. yeah, let's let's see what they look like when they when they have the team that they envisioned, and then we'll freak out after ten or so games of that. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll take our break. We'll come back. We'll break down what is a uh, kind of ho hum card tonight in the NBA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. First up on the board tonight in the association. Get the rotation right here. Oh, Chicago, Philadelphia. Zach's all over this. It's been here, so I'll give you the floor here, sir. Philly now 10.5 with a total of 223.5. I assume you're laying the wood here with the 76ers. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I didn't go too big on the Bulls this time. Like, I, I don't feel as good about it as I have in the past couple of weeks. But, you know, they're still playing really good basketball. I, I don't think that this matchup scares them at all. They've won, you know, over the course of this recent stretch where the Bulls are 10-5 and five straight up, 12-3 and three against the spread, two of those win and covers have come against the Sixers team. Uh, Embiid didn't play in one of those games, but he did play in the other. And that was the game where they played in Philadelphia. So I don't think this matchup, you know, is too intimidating to them. I kind of think that they like it. You know, they have Alex Caruso out there to guard Tyrese Maxey. They have Patrick Williams to guard Tobias Harris. And I kind of think that, you know, no Nikola Vucevic actually helps them because it's Andre Drummond now going to be bodying up with Embiid on on the glass. I think that that's something that it's not going to be where, you know, Drummond is shutting down Embiid defensively, but he could be tiring him out by the way he rebounds. I think Kelly was talking about the way he just like swats balls up in the air to himself. Like, I think he's going to really battle with Embiid here. And I just trust the DeMar DeRozan, Kobe White backcourt against the Sixers backcourt. So I don't know. I think the, I do think the Sixers are going to win this game. They're not going to lose, you know, three in a row to this version of the Bulls, but 10 and a half is a lot of points. Like, I don't see them blowing them out. Yep. Uh, don't disagree, especially with the way they've been playing. You've been all over this. Um, big one for Philadelphia, though. 
how you feeling that Kenneth Lofton might be playing today, huh? Kenneth Lofton <laughs> Jr. I was okay. sad that he was dropped by the group. I thought he was such a grizzly. Yeah, it, right. Like him and uh, and one of my favorite college basketball players, big body David Roddy. Yeah. Um, like he is like th- those are just quintessential Grizzlies, like grit and grind guys, like yeah. fringe draft guys who are just like, now we're gonna come in, we're gonna develop them, and then they're just going to give us like 15 minutes a night, and then you know, once every four games, they'll go on like a seven nothing personal run. They'll be like, where the f- do these guys come from? <laughs> yeah, they should have had a game where they started the two of them, but you know, they're both big bodies with feathery touch. Like I, I would have liked to have seen them start. Might have get run off the floor pretty quick though. I don't know if there's <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah. gas in the tank for either one of those guys, especially <laughs> especially Kenneth Lofton. Oh boy. All right. Next up on the rotation here. Uh San Antonio on the road against Memphis. Uh, this one is eleven with a total of two thirty five and a half. So I bet this one, Zach. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I took eleven and a half with San Antonio. And uh, this is coming from the man who was like, nope, this is it. The Grizz, uh, you know, right. The market's too low on them. Not understanding. I think we've kind of swung a little too far now in one direction here for Memphis. A good example is they were about one and a half point favorites against Sacramento the other day. And yes, it was at home. That would tell you that Sacramento was only about a one point favorite, uh, favorite on a neutral. That's not the case. Sacramento is much better than that. When it comes to Memphis, still a very flawed team. Still a team that even with John on the floor, they're barely outscoring opponents by a possession, 2.3 points every 100 possessions. And then I, I did this game too, which I, I think is somewhat fair. If you look at San Antonio recently, especially these stretches that they've been on on the road, the thing that sticks out is they went on like a three-game road trip, right? Milwaukee, Chicago, and Dallas. They closed as 16.5-point underdogs in Milwaukee. So that would indicate the Grizzlies are just five points less in a power rating standpoint than the Bucks. That doesn't make any sense. And then they were only catching six and a half in Chicago, eight and a half in Dallas. Like, does Memphis really clear those teams from a power rating standpoint? I, I don't think that's the case. So for me, it was just a number grab. I get that. I had Doug Kazarian text me earlier, uh, you know, situationally, I guess, if you want to throw in Memphis after three straight losses, could be licking their chops for a pretty bad team. I also think this team overall is still kind of a poor team. So I took 11 and a half here with San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, I had a lead on the Spurs, so I like that play by you. I actually think that the Grizzlies are kind of feeling like the weight of needing to win every single regular season sure. game now because of the hole that they've dug themselves. So I think that they kind of tired themselves out on that West Coast trip the other week, and they have had some time off. I do think they're going to win this game, but I also think that this is a lot of points to be giving San Antonio, yep. who also had the time off and time to prepare. So, yeah, I just think you have to look at it both ways a little bit. Yeah, I made the number just over eight and a half. So, like, that's – to me, it's just a number play. I think it's worth playing that. And also, from a matchup standpoint, I'd be very interested. Look, with Ja back, you now have that north-south presence – but in those possessions where he's on the floor and Wembenyama is also out there, you know, you've got a really nice help defender and shot blocker that's going to be out there willing to erase a lot of those shots uh, that Jaw's going to be out there for. So be interested to see how many blocks Wembenyama can come up with here today. Because it, it is an interesting battle, uh, battle right? Him versus Ja Morant, essentially. Yep. And I, and I do think another thing about the Grizzlies, it's like they played well right when Ja came back. But we really haven't seen Smart and John Morant play together. And, like, I do think that Smart's a tricky guy to play with because he's not, you know, a traditional point guard. He's not a great shooter for an off-ball player. At least not a consistent shooter. And he has not shot well in these last four games. So I kind of think that this is going to be an interesting fit to watch. All right, Boston, OKC, best game on the board. Can't wait to watch it. Both teams fully healthy and raring to go. Both teams in similar rest situations, almost identical rest situations, in terms of what they've played over the last week or so. In terms of total amount of games and rest coming into this, Celtics are a four-point favorite with a total of 240. Zach, this is exactly this is one of those where I looked at this and I go, hmm, I gotta be missing something. But you know what? I don't care. If you're gonna tell me that Oklahoma City is catching four at home, given what we've seen from them all season long, how undervalued they have been, 
The fact that they are covering over 70% of their games would tell you that the market has been hesitant to rate them accurately. And now here, and I'll play the same game again. You just saw Boston in a, in a West Coast trip against the Clippers and the Lakers, specifically on Christmas against the Lakers. They were five-point favorites over the Lakers. Really, the Thunder are only one point better than Los Angeles. I don't think that's the case. I think the market's sleeping on them here again. And as I put in the article, this is just a play on principle. Thunder catching four at home, I, I'm just willing to do it. I was really close to doing the same thing. I, I don't know why I didn't. I think I just got burned a little bit by the Celtics sure. over these last few weeks. Like They've just come out looking really good. That on West Coast trip was really impressive. Yeah, they looked like by far the best team in basketball in that West Coast trip. So I don't know. Like I, I feel the same way that you do. Like I, I don't really understand the line. I think that's part of the hesitancy of betting on OKC here. But yeah, like you, you, you put it a good way. Betting on principle, like Oklahoma City should not be getting this many points at home. Like you have to believe that they're a Western Conference contender that they should be closer to even on their home court. But I didn't play it. I don't. Yep. I don't mind that you played it at all. The only thing I played here was Jalen Williams over 16 and a half points. It's because he averaged 18.8 points per game in December, uh, shot like 50, 50, 80 in terms of splits. Uh, I do think the Celtics are going to try to throw th- some things at Shea Gilgis Alexander and try to force the other guys to beat him. And if that's going to be someone, I do think it'll be Williams who, you know, really good shooter, really good driver, just kind of a solid all around player. I think that he's kind of having his breakout this season while the other guys have already broken out. Yep. I am. Um, it, it is it is somewhat similar, I think, to – so on Friday, I laid, you know, two and a half with Denver. And it was one of those two. It was just like, nah, it's just on principle. Like, you're going to ask me to just ask Denver to win by a possession on their home floor. I'm willing to eat that even if it, if I get knocked in the chin. Yeah. And I got knocked in the chin. So maybe this is another one of those, like we talked about, right, which is just like, this just doesn't make any sense. And maybe we're going to come out of this and the Celtics are going to win by 10, 15, whatever. But I just – more like every single time, I think, if you're telling me the best cover team in the NBA is catching – over essentially two possessions on their home court, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, time. we're cl- we were really close to the territory where like I-, I love like a plus five at home and then a money line sprinkle, but sure. I didn't I-, I didn't get the five, so <laughs> I yep. didn't really want to do it. But yeah, I, I- it wouldn't shock me at all. Yep. And injury reports are clean, so we'll see. This is this should be a good game. And dare we say an NBA Finals preview could be the reality, uh, considering the way that Oklahoma City's playing. And uh, I don't want to say the way the Western Conference looks because the West actually looks really really good right now. But it just it, it, like in that. I think that there's about right now, I've got about, I don't know about you, four teams, four and a half teams that I've kind of got circled that like, if you tell me any of these four and a half teams were to make it out of the West, I would say, all right, that's not crazy. Yeah. I was going to say like, anytime the Celtics are playing a Western conference team, it's a potential NBA finals preview. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's just like the Western conference playoffs are going to be awesome. Like I I think that any team is in, in danger of losing like anyone. Yep, uh, I would totally agree with that. And, uh, and I should point out, too, and I wrote this in the article, too. For Boston, they're a very good team. We should note, though, 6-8-2 uh, and two away from home. They have been a little overvalued. A couple of those covers, of course, came on the road in those West Coast trips. So we'll see if they can right the ship there. Uh, okay, next up on the rotation. Uh, this is one that I came very close to playing myself, Brooklyn, New Orleans. This number's down to 5.5. Totals 228 and 228.5. So I was going to play this two ways. One was going to be against the market. One was going to be apparently with the market. But to me, Zach, Brooklyn plus six, six and a half, and and also bet this game over were the two things that I kind of like were really looking at before the market started moving. I ultimately couldn't talk myself into it. But you know, similar to like from a power rating standpoint, I just don't think New Orleans rates like much better than some of these teams that are kind of in this nexus of, you know, whatever five through seven in their respective conferences. Like that's exactly where new Orleans is. I don't think Brooklyn's that far off. 
you know, I get that Brooklyn has been a little on under or excuse me, overvalued by the market uh, in recent weeks. And we, it, we talked about, I think we were both on the wizards, right? In that game, I think it was on Friday night against them where the wizards ended up winning outright as six point underdogs. But to me, I think this is more of a play against New Orleans in that I just don't think that they rate about three points better than a team like Brooklyn. I think these two teams are much closer to equal. I thought this was going to be like a three and a half in favor of New Orleans, not five or, or excuse me, six and a half where it opened. Yeah, I was kind of with you. Like I was leaning towards the Nets and I was I actually was looking at the under, but I didn't end up taking like, I don't know. I, it, it, I don't trust either of these. I feel like I've been wrong sure. on their totals, both of them this season. But yeah, I thought that this was a little too many points for the Nets to be getting, I, especially like with everyone having rested. I just think that you're going to see more clean basketball moving forward. Um, but yeah, it seems like a lot of points. I think if this is another one where like if it touched seven, I would have bet Brooklyn. But, you know, the fact that it's stuck in the middle between the, the key numbers, I'm not. The um the thing that got me that changed it for me, New Orleans is interesting in that you know they're like a top ten defense right now, which is kind of surprising, you know, given the fact that I don't think this team rates as like a top defensive team. But if you look at some of the shot quality metrics, specifically like cleaning the glass has uh, the location effective field goal percentage. What would be the league, uh, What would your team have allowed in terms of effective field goal percentage if your opponents shot league average from the shots that they have against you and. Right now, New Orleans defensively 12th in opponent effective field goal percentage. According to this shot quality metric that Clean of the Glass has, they would be 19th. So maybe that there is some fraudulence in terms of the way that they're playing defensively. And so I think that was kind of something that I wanted to test. But ultimately, I was like, ah, you know, I haven't watched enough. I haven't seen enough. I'm just looking at the numbers. So I kind of want to see to see if I'm going to be correct here. And, and thus, that led me to betting to potentially the game over, right? Which is yeah. two lesser defensive teams, not going to stop each other. Both of them don't mind running up and down the floor. You get a high shot. You get, me, you get a high rate of threes from one team in Brooklyn. You get the inability to stop the other team, you know, in the paint for New Orleans. So I thought it was going to be a pretty interesting matchup. But market really pushed this thing down from 231 to 228 and a half. So I, uh, I signed off. I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. Yeah, and Dunks and Threes does have him 11th in adjusted defensive rating. So I don't okay. think it's, you know, yeah, I think it's legit. But yeah, that was kind of why I was leaning under just because they're 11th. Both teams are kind of in the 11 to 20 range in terms of pace. Like, I don't think that there's going to be a real initiative from either one of them to get up and down. But yeah, like you said, like there's no aversion either. So it's a tough game to call. All right, Charlotte, Sacramento. I don't know if we have to spend a lot of time here. It's 15 and a half with a total of 231, 232 and a half. I guess I'll say I am kind of surprised not only, I mean, this is a pretty low total for these two teams considering what we know about them. Um, and for Charlotte, it's second leg of back-to-back. We don't have anything yet in terms of injuries, but Sacramento is fully healthy. I'm somewhat surprised that this total is as low as it is and getting bet under. Yeah, it's also odd that it's the totals this low and the Hornets are getting that many points. Like it's going to be hard for the yes. Kings to cover in that low scoring of a game. So I don't know. It's been, it's been interesting watching the Hornets play as such big underdogs. Like they were able to cover the number a few times, but you're always flirting with danger because it's like they're right on the, they're right on the fringes of getting blown out every single game. Yep. I mean, we're talking about nearly like what, like, it's like, is that like 7% of the total points or something like that? The spread itself. Yeah. Like that's, it's a pretty high rate there <laughs> what you're asking for. And like you said, for the, the window is only getting tighter because the market's betting the number down, which is kind of odd, but yeah, two thirty two and a half. I saw at the open. We're now down to a two thirty one, and uh, we'll see what the second leg looks like in terms of injury availability. All right. Last one. I thought you were going to be in on this one. This is your darling, your, your, your baby magic. <laughs> On the road against Golden State, Warriors lay in three with a total of 230 and a half or 230. Honestly, this is a game that I'm very excited to watch here today because you get essentially both teams at somewhat full strength. Um, so I'm going to be able to see this Orlando Magic team get tested against Golden State, which is playing a little bit better as of late. 
a good late night basketball game, I think, is what we're looking at here between these two. So I can't wait to watch it. I did not have anything here, though. No, yeah, I, I couldn't get in on it. I do think it's a good matchup for the Magic just because this, the Warriors are kind of struggling yep. again offensively. Clay Thompson has cooled off after that recent hot stretch. Um, I think that, you know, the, the Magic, third team, third in the league in adjusted defensive rating, they're going to give them some trouble. And Golden State in this recent stretch without Draymond has been kind of lower. 15 in the league in defensive rating so that should make things somewhat easy on the magic offensively so i thought that the matchup on paper looked good for orlando but i do think it's a tough road spot for like a young team that's kind of not playing great right now all right cool that's it bow on it so wait hold on hold on best bet recap zach you got the first one go ahead recap so i went bulls plus 10 and a half I have Jalen Williams over 16 and a half. And I also did an alternate uh, half unit play on Jalen Williams, 20 plus points. All right. I like it Uh, for me. uh, Simple Spurs plus 11 and a half. Um, Obviously 11 still out there. So still playable there. Thunder plus four and a half. Still things playable at uh, four and uh, willing to go down with the two dogs uh, in principle. As I said, with the Oklahoma city thunder, I I go down on that ship every single time. I don't really care. Uh, All right. That's it. What's uh, what's the rest of the day look like for, for you? What are you doing? I'm going to write up those two Saturday NFL games. Yeah. Uh, that's really, yeah. That's the end for my for, Colts on Saturday. Yeah. It's playing for both. Yeah. It's going to be a good game. I can't wait. There's a new whiskey <laughs> bar up the street um, from us. It's right across from Raider Stadium. Yep. So I live, right, I live pretty close to the Raider Stadium. So, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and I was telling my wife, I was like, come on, let's go check out the whiskey bar on Saturday. Let's, you know, let's go watch the game. And she was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do that. I'm like, come on. Don't be, she'll get more into it by the time we get there. But I can't wait. Playoff game, baby. <laughs> I, Look, I'm very jaded when it comes to my Colts fandom uh, in that, like, I probably don't get excited as excited as I used to back in the day. This team's easy to root for, though. Steichen, backup quarterback, right, everything. They've done such a good job. And, like, they could be a pain in the ass for anybody if they get in. So it'll be cool to at least watch them play meaningful football for the first time in a while. It's also not a backup quarterback. It's the backup quarterback. Right, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, the guy that everyone says could be their starter if they needed him to, so... <laughs> I've watched does, a lot of college football this year. I think uh, it's safe to say Gardner Minshew, there's a reason why he's a backup. I'll just put it <laughs> Who do you think is going to win the college football playoff? I, I think Washington. I, I, look, I so I had bet Washington against Texas. I also did bet Alabama against Michigan. I, I think there is a reality in which Alabama wins that game. I don't know what. I, Saban looked. I love how we do this thing where it's like, if you fail, you are now the worst, right? Like yeah. there's no new one. There's no in between. So like there's a whole lot of Saban needs to retire. It's like, okay, relax. <laughs> it was not a well-coached game for Alabama. And I, but I don't think Michigan was that impressive. And you're what, dude, I'm watching Michael Penix just lace this ball downfield. They've got three NFL receivers. They've got good tight ends. This is just an offense that Michigan has not seen to this point still. And I, yeah. I, I, I think the world of Washington. I, I think it was really clear watching last night that Penix was very injured the last two months of the season. Like he sure. looked fine after all the time off. They had the same zip on his throws. So I agree with you. Like I think that we look what we saw from Washington was kind of like the same what we saw early in the season when they were dominant. So it's it's tough to see Michigan keeping up with that offense. Yep. I mean, I, I don't think JJ McCarthy's gonna throw for 118 yards and you're gonna be able to win the game again. Like yeah. I just don't think that's gonna be the case. And by the way, um, yesterday too, because I think a lot of people use this as ammo to bet against Washington. The only re- the only reason that comes down to the final play is because of the injury timeout, right? Yeah. Like if if that does not happen, then Washington's punting that ball back with like twenty seconds left on the clock, and that thing's dying pretty quickly for Texas. So yeah, and the like, and the defense inside the twenty at the end of the game was great. So yep, yeah. I, I don't, and by the way, back to the saving points. Like I had so many people that were like, 
what the hell was that play call? Like, you know, if he scores, like it's just like a 50, 50 thing. You can't destroy Saban for something bad. I mean, I would have liked to see them roll Milrow out because then you give him the option to throw or run, but. It's not, it doesn't drive me crazy that they try to QB draw with like one of the best running quarterbacks in the country. I mean, what drives you nuts is that this, even on that final play, your center can't snap the ball properly. Yep. On that last play, it was at his shins again. So it like you lose a half second trying to corral that before you actually go changes everything. Yeah. It was a great game, though. I mean, I, I, I tweeted it, but like the Rose Bowl somehow always ends up being incredible. Oh, that Georgia Oklahoma <laughs> game was great. Like yep. all those years back, like all the Utah games were good. Utah Ohio yep. State, like yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yep, it's worked. It worked out really well. And I just like that. I do. I will say, I hate like the old man. Like, oh, it's just it's the Rose Bowl. But I like the you know I like like the fresh grass and like being out there and like playing outside and doing all that kind of stuff. Like it's the cutout it's shots of it are always like just gorgeous. So yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool thing. It was a cool thing yesterday. But this is a basketball podcast, so uh, <laughs> yeah. we're all done. Uh, like, rate, review, and subscribe. I, I put it in my Twitter bio. I like other sports. You know, yeah. uh, we do like other sports here. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. Check out everything we have to offer up on the website of Eason.com, and we will talk to you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicap. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.